0: Lester the Nightfly. I'm Lester the night fly. Hello Baton Rouge. You turn your radio?
1: Welcome to 2022. Before the show begins, I want to do a quick thank you to new stations that have taken on Lester the Nightfly, KMSW Classic rock, KMUD. That's exciting. We also have our favorites, WHPW, WPVM, WERB to thank. And now added to the list, KEPJ, how about that? PNWR and WMTB, so excited to be on your airwaves. Hello, this is PJ Ewing. You're listening to Lester the Nightfly. This is a very, very special episode that I've been looking forward to doing for a long time, probably since I first heard... The song Old Joy, and it probably was maybe, I don't know, June. I was listening to Chris Bro's All Things Next show, as I always do, and he's proud of presenting brand new music. And there was Old Joy, and I just immediately loved it. I texted him, This is amazing. Da, da, da. And all summer, I listened to the song, and I was just more and more curious about who's behind the record, what is Haunted Shed. And there was a moment within the last three weeks that I said, "Wait a minute, let me just send a note." And Etienne, my guest, my
2: friend in the future, you responded. Yeah, <laughs> I, did. You I did. I did Tried to respond. You did, um, especially to people that are interested in, in, in uh, well, not only my music, but just ta- just talking about art and music. It's like it's what keeps us sustained and what makes life bearable sometimes, and sometimes you got to just talk about the things that make you happy and feel things. And when people do that as a profession, it's like, uh, uh, it's awesome. Like, of course, I'm going to talk to someone who wants to do that. I'm here and I'm I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready to be ready for full interrogation, full interrogation. Well, we are
1: all uh, honored. And I really mean that. I mean that word. And I think a lot of people throw it around. I am honored that you are on the show because I admire your work so much. And I am, admire your commitment to making it happen. And life throws us curveballs. And I've read your story and you moved from one city to another and you have a beautiful family. All, all these things have happened, yet in the middle of all that, you haven't let go of the fire to create. And what you created in this record, Faltering Light and Haunted Shed, uh, the work that you've done. I just really, really love. So from, from, from my soul, I've enjoyed your music and it's really fun to have you here on the show.
2: Great. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm glad to be here and I'm glad that comes across. Um, There's definitely a lot of, a lot of things went into the record, both like periods of life and, and ways it was recorded. And so it has, I think maybe some of the, I don't know if it's the right word, but the, the depth that it has is, is, is authentic just from how, like you said, like how, how long it took to make and how many things I had to do to make it happen. And I'm glad it came through. It wasn't one of those, uh, we made it in three days and it was like, no, I got, it got pushed down the road many times. And yeah, I did, I did have to make it happen. It was, it it was, uh, it was an effort, also an effort to just, I mean, I had a lot of things I had to do, but I also had a lot of things I was distracted by that I wanted to do for my own pleasure or pursuit of enrichment, you know, that wasn't making a record. Maybe I wanted to write new songs instead of finish the old ones, or maybe I want to record some new stuff instead of mixing this record. So there's always a pile of things in your way. But it happened and, and we got it out there and and uh, it's people responding to it. So I'm, I'm happy about that. I
1: would bet. It's a really uh, incredible collection and we're going to hear a lot of it, everyone. So it's not just us sitting here chatting. We're going to hear the music. Etienne de Rocher from Haunted Shed. You also have a number of tracks that I asked for from you that we won't necessarily call inspirations, but they're music of interest. Let's call it to you, uh, and we're going to hear some of that music as well, which is absolutely fascinating. The music, and I had vaguely heard—I'd only heard of really one of those artists, and uh, the rest oh, was awesome. new to me. Because I, so
2: I, I try to, you know, I. There's a lot of artists you could pick that are well-known that would be just as relevant, but I'm like, why don't we pick some stuff that uh, might be discoverable for, for, for someone That, that, that was my intent to not, they're not super obscure, but there's definitely bands that just, yeah, you never stuff stuff. I came across and was like, Whoa, what is this? And, and often I'm, I'm often fascinated by bands that were doing stuff at a time that was different from, when that stuff became popular, you know, like uh, early pioneers of genres or, or approaches to, to things. And I think there's some of that in this in this playlist.
1: Well, there are some that are absolutely beyond obscure that took me. I mean, I couldn't find a Wikipedia entry kind of music. It was amazing. Yeah, so we'll, right. we'll talk about that. Uh, but let's let everyone hear a little bit of your music. Let's go into one of the songs from your record. We're going to tell your story, T.N. throughout I do want okay. to have, hey, tell us about yourself kind of thing, but let's let's sure. go into some music right now and, and let everybody mm-hmm. in on the first song from Faltering Light. This is called Archipelago and in parens it says reprise. This is from Haunted Shed. Uh, we're here on Lester the Nightfly. So here we are with Etienne de Rocher from Haunted Shed. There are so many questions they are gonna be so disorganized, Etienne, but let's <laughs> do just a little background about you just so people have a sense of, of you. And then I wanna talk for a second about that, that track, but start with yeah. you. Who, who are you, man? <laughs>
2: I am a son of uh, a french mom and a francophilic dad uh who grew up in alabama in tuscaloosa alabama i was pretty nerdy as a kid i was not trained in music in any way and when i was a teenager i got a casio tone and a four track uh that i Bought mowing lawns and just started making weird stuff by myself. And uh, I went to uh, UC Berkeley for uh, a semester or two to get out of the South because I, I couldn't wait to get out of the small town I grew up in. And out in the Bay Area, uh, I got in a c- couple of bands, worked in some restaurants, I did some weird product design stuff. I was like kind of all over the place, you know, I'm just kind of a creative. I'm kind of what they call a maker now, <laughs> but back then you were just getting into all kinds of business. I got a little more serious about the music. In my late 20s, I formed a band. I made a song called Lazy Bones that I pressed on a seven inch. People in LA, different labels kind of heard about it and were into it and I I got courted by the labels in the late 90s. That kind of all fell apart because I was just, I was too weird and not, not ambitious enough to, to follow the plan so i kind of set out on my own and put out a couple records by myself and then uh, i finally met up with this guy dan prothero who ran a label called Fox city records and he had made some records by this band galactic who's was kind of a, a great funk band from new orleans and i was always into that kind of stuff and we ended up making almost like a folk a west coast ethereal folk record together um, that's my, my self-titled record that's still out there on the on the platforms and it's it's very it's kind of soft and acoustic and has some songs on there that really mean a lot to me When you hit
0: your big black wall.
2: And then uh, I ended up getting married and having a couple kids and we were escaping the pressure of the Bay Area, financial and just otherwise. I I felt like I'd just been there so long. I'd been there for 20 years and I wanted to go back to the South because my parents were there and I missed the weather and the kind of laid back vibe. So we ended up moving to Athens, Georgia and it was 2008, 2009, and kind of started over like with this old, creaky house that needed tons of work and we had no jobs and we had two little kids and I just spent several years just <laughs> pioneering like it was a little house on the prairie you know I was like chasing cougars away from the house and stuff I mean not literally but like I just felt like that so and the whole time I was just still socking away songs and tr- writing and still wanted to make music but I just really didn't have time and finally when my kids got to be like 12 13 14 i had a little time to uh play some more and i I found some guys in athens that i I really like playing with uh dan nettles this amazing guitar player who's primarily kind of jazz jazz guy but can play anything really and he kind of found the rest of the band he found joe Rowe, who uh was a drummer in this this sort of to me like one of the most important bands out of Athens called The Glands, that not a lot of people know about. But uh, thankfully, New, New West has uh, released a box set of, of The Glans stuff. he started playing drums with me and I got a great bass player named Jacob Morris and we just started playing and one Halloween I had made these like uh, goofy lo-fi haunted houses a couple of Halloweens and it became this thing I did and I called it the haunted shed because literally the first one was in a tiny shed in my backyard. The the parties kept kind of getting bigger and bigger and I was like well we should have some music at this one so I was like let's play. We ended up playing for that and after that we were just like we should just call ourselves on because that's that's what everybody knows me as so that's where the name came from and kind of after that session and a couple shows i was like we should record these songs and we we went to a a studio in town called chase park transduction which is this 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 very athens studio it's it's good but it's also kind of kind of crusty and like kind of like I don't know. It just feels right. It's a proper rock studio. It's not too fancy. We just tracked stuff really quickly, just like us barely knowing the songs very well. I had to just get back to my life for, I think it was several months before I even listened to this stuff. And and then I just slowly spent time mostly by myself overdubbing and adding stuff I needed and adding textures and Slowly, the record just kind of came together. That's the record we're listening to. And uh, 20 years of my life uh, in, I don't know how long that was, four or five minutes. <laughs> hopefully, um, There was a show. But yeah, that's the basic, yeah, 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 that's the basic story. But yeah, like you said earlier, I <laughs> felt like I, I was rolling a rock up a hill, but in, in, in a great way. I was doing all the things that, that I felt like I should have been doing at that point in my life. I was, I was fixing up an old house. I was raising kids. I was discovering a new small city. I was um, collaborating with people, meeting people, Uh, pure exploration. I wasn't in Nashville. I wasn't in LA. I I wasn't like in the industry at all. I was just purely percolating in the Athens soup. And I think there is something to this town. I think the isolation and the weirdness of it just makes for this little pressure cooker environment where you're going to make the weirdest stuff that maybe you would make, you know, uh, short of being in, you know, <laughs> completely remote country or something. So yeah, it definitely affected my, the, the approach to the record. So yeah, I'm, I'm glad, I'm glad I moved and I'm, I'm glad, uh, I met all these folks that I'm now playing with. You know what you were doing at Tien? You were swimming
1: in the chemistry as far as I yeah, can know. Exactly. Yeah. 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 yeah good one. You, you can use that line. Oh, wait. Oh, you, you did. Right. We'll get to that. We'll yeah. get to that, that okay. line um, I see do, what you're uh, doing there. You see what I'm doing here? See what I'm doing here? Yeah, yeah. There are so many things that come yeah. from your story. One of them, though, is back to your original self-titled record uh, on Spotify. I see that there's one track that did really, really well, Juniper Rose. Is that the mm-hmm. one that you... Favor, or if we were to play one, which which we're going to, um, which is the okay. song you'd like us to listen to from your wow. first okay. round? Okay,
2: from that record, I think that's a good one because it's appealing. It's it's easy to get into, which is why I think it was popular. Uh, it was the one that the radio stations like, But it's also, it was a song I really liked performing. It was a song I liked I liked recording, and it just has this cool arrangement. Uh, it has an odd time signature, which you, you maybe not even can tell. And I think it's a good mix of like kind of psychedelic and groovy, but also very American and rootsy. I, I it's hard for me to talk about that song so old to me now. It's like hard to like dig it up, but it's like no, it's a good it's a good track. It's it's got some smoking. It's got some great playing on it too uh, by Todd Roper, the drummer. And uh, Todd Sikafoos, the bass player They just kind of tore up the, uh, that, that song You know, a good performance will always win So yeah, let, I, I, I would roll with that
3: Sometimes late at night In the pink and dirty light Made from going on in the city I see a window out in the building that still sound. floor nobody knows there is a girl who eats through a nose She was alive thanks to a man kept her from dying by her own hand She used to be something to see broke the man's heart so she told me Day through the night It's kinda weird But it's alright In the pink and dirty light made from going zone in the city.
2: So, yeah, that was my first proper CD release on a label. But, yeah, right. no, I had all kinds of uh, random stuff out there. Well,
1: and, and you know, back. Uh, so thanks. That's a great track. Love that. And, and to your story, I just love how it was so organic and that you were not focusing on career and trying to make a record happen before its time. I think a lot of those things, whether they're, you were conscious of it or not, seeped into the record uh, faltering light when i hear it i hear all kinds of different influences some songs are quite different than others the layering it's it's a fascinating record for whatever reason it took that 20 year time frame for it to actually happen
0: you know, yeah yeah it's
1: natural i don't want to let it go we did you know start our our show today with archipelago reprise it's an instrumental mm-hmm. i don't know if it's a toy piano but it sure sounds like a toy <laughs> piano and i did see in your video you had a casio and a toy piano stacked on Mm -hmm. top of them i think that might have been um uh, umami bomb video yeah yeah. yeah, umami bomb yeah um and i heard a whole mash of piano sounds one of the influential or one of the just reference points that you shared with me that we're going to dive into a little bit is todd Rundgren, and Mm -hmm. I, i don't know if if you would uh, acknowledge or think of any Todd Rundgren influence because I heard a whole, a whole very creative sonic palette there that reminded me of the, of Todd Rundgren in that in that first track.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't say I was thinking of of him or even. Uh, there's also a Brian Eno track on that yeah. playlist that has a, a keyboard solo that I love that that has uses a lot of delay, and uh, Archipelago uses. It's a piano with with a pretty strong delay on it, a rhythmic delay that I was listening to as I was playing that that song, which is basically a long, it's kind of a long piano solo is what it is with like drums and bass behind it. I like the way both Todd Rundgren and and Brian Eno were using delays in a creative way as like a, a, a rhythmic foil, you know, to your own playing and also letting that stuff get kind of dirty and pile up and start getting artifacts of the process, blurring and graininess and stuff that I think texturally, like, you know, both Brian Eno you know, and Todd to work great at exploring uh recording techniques and and instruments and just pushing the envelope and getting getting stuff weird as weird as you could you know that's always something i'm drawn to just instinctually you know if i'm playing and i hear something uh that takes me somewhere else i'm gonna chase i'm gonna take that choice and just go as far as i can with that technically with my own playing ability and sometimes all that is purely purely rhythm it really is like some of that archipelago is me just banging random notes in a certain scale but on on time that's what makes the track propel to me is like this you know this like syncopated pile of like piano notes going through a delay it's like you can do that and it won't be a song so i had to sort of give it an arc kind of a narrative arc reason that song's called reprise is it's actually the end of a whole other song that didn't make it on the record called archipelago which has lyrics and verses and and stuff and that's waiting to be maybe put on the next record but it's funny the first song on this record is the back half of a song that's not even on there uh, that it's a reprise and i just thought it was funny to have that be your first track is like something that was usually in the old days a b-side which was the second half of the song that wouldn't fit on the a-side That's like what what a reprise was, you know, in the 50s and 60s and stuff. They'd be like, like James Brown couldn't fit all of his song on side A. So you got to put the second half on side B and the DJs would flip it over or they'd have two copies and they'd just cross over crossfade to the second half. So they'd have a seven minute song, a three minute medium, you know, anyway, that's just weirdness uh, with the song title, but um, yeah, that's, that song came from just me having fun on a, on a piano, letting it happen. I love the song. A, if we were to go play another track
1: from uh, one of those guys, who would it be? Eno or Rundgren or who should we go to from that collection?
2: Well, I would play King's Lead Hat just because that keyboard solo is one of my favorite instrumental solos on, on, on a song. And it's, it's, um and keyboard solos are, aren't, you know, there's a, for every keyboard solo, there's a thousand guitar solos. So it's kind of like fun to, to hear, hear that. Plus I feel like the Todd Rundgren song has more in relation to the hypno, the, the last song on, on the record would be a good, okay. a good thing to discuss with it, with okay. that track. So, um, cool. Yeah. Cool. All right. So we're going to play
1: a related song in some ways. This is Brian, Eno, King's lead
2: hat remaster. Yeah. Remaster no, that, that right? songs. Uh, from uh before and after science so that'd be like early 80s or late 70s uh yeah 1977
1: before and after science okay so let's listen to king's lead hat this is a 2004 digital remaster it's sort of tied a little bit to our first track from haunted shed Uh, this is brian eno Is the the second mm-hmm. song on Faltering Light absolutely knocks me out? This is sort of a it, it connects to the next few songs in, in in a cool way. Really, really love this one. How
2: how are people responding to this track as, as far as you can tell at this point? Well, live uh, we always play this one early as well. It's often our second song just because we're so confident on this song and it it just always happens you know probably because it was one of the first songs dan and i uh recorded together the version that's on the record is actually a demo it it was me showing the song to dan it may have been the second or third time we'd even just run through the song and i I hit record on my computer he played everything you hear on the song guitar wise one one take no edits and he was still kind of learning what he was still figuring out what he was doing and i was like man that's like that's it the vocal on that song is a it's not as high-fi and uh, out front as some of the other record just cuz it, it's the take i did when we were kind of like it's a scratch vocal basically but i liked how i performed it so I, I i used it but yeah that song just had like this the bones of it the the performance the me uh, me playing acoustic guitar and singing and dan playing uh, electric Uh, to basically like a a drum machine um, just was like solid. And I was like, all we need to do is add bass and some real drums and some keyboards. And it just kind of like turned into what it was. But I like to say, whenever you're making a record, once you get a really solid track or two, you have these kind of goal posts that you can be like, okay, I can build a record between these two posts or, or built around these like foundational tracks. And this was definitely one of those. This was like, okay, This is a song that works and I can build a record around this aesthetic.
1: I really enjoyed this track a lot it's it's i wrote five stars it just you know right out of the gate uh one of the things and here's the thing the truth is i had spent so much time on old joy that mm-hmm. i didn't dive into all this music and you are my wonderful excuse to do that you know weeks ago it took us a
2: long time to pick <laughs> what we were gonna uh put out as singles because it was like we had five different uh, nominees. Usually there's kind of an obvious track that's like, oh, this is probably the, the thing that's going to be most appealing to someone who's only listening to something for 20 seconds, you know, through their laptop. But we were like, I don't know, man, what about this? What about that? What about this? So yeah. Was no, the album on the list? A... Was Collections? Was it one of the lists, one of the five? It was, but not even initially. There there were a few other songs that were kind of being thrown around and and I was like, hey, what about that song? Because I always thought it was kind of like to me, like I said, like it's what launched the record as as, as, a, as an idea it this could be a record. So I was like always rooting for it, you know, as like a something that was relatable.
1: Order of song on record. Did you, mm-hmm. was that a carefully crafted thing
2: also? If you're into albums like I am, it's very important. I wanted something you could listen to the whole thing and not stop, you know. So the order was pretty important. Sometimes I ask friends to sequence uh, records for me because it's such a fraught thing and you feel like they have some distance or some ability to step back. But uh, I just was like, no, this, 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 and this. But I, I knew collections, I, I wanted it to be early because, yeah. like I said, it was like it was kind of what made the album happen.
1: It connects directly to Impending Machines. Yeah. Um, you don't know if you're just listening to the record that you're now into another song so let's go there for everyone's sake and listen to the next track track 3 from uh, Faltering Light from Haunted Shed here on Lester the Night Live.
3: Turn all the locks to the second click And go down the stairs, you'll see a trapdoor And when you stand next to that
2: Machines. Where'd this name come from, Etienne? My wife and I were living in Oakland on the fourth floor of this apartment building. And twice a week there were these street cleaners that would come in the middle of the night. They were quite loud and they had this like droning, menacing sound to them. And because we were so high up, uh, you could hear them. And of course, this is happening while you're sleeping. From far away, there's this like and it's getting closer and closer and louder and louder. And like, you're asleep. And at the time, this is this is, why, <laughs> this is why this happened to me. I was the maintenance man of this building, which was a 32-unit apartment building. My job was to like, make sure the building wasn't falling apart. In my sleep, I hear this noise. My brain hears this noise. And of course, it thinks something's, the world is ending or the building's getting ground up in a... <laughs> like a giant grinder or something. So I would wake up with these night terrors all the time and be like, oh, this street sweepers, man. And I feel like ever since then, I've had just a night terror problem where I just like wake up breathless. They're not nightmares. It's different. It's like you wake up from a night terror and you're just like, something's happening in the real world. You know, like someone's at your door or there's someone standing over you for me it was like something's destroying the building we're living in so i just felt like i had this i mean i didn't even choose to write a song about it i just was riffing around and was like those words came out i was like i don't like the machines when they come at night that was just this line that just spilled out and i was like oh man this is like a song about that feeling and i need to just kind of spin it out and and give it a narrative so realizing when you wake up that you're okay, but it's like still just takes you like some time to just calm your heart and your breathing down, you know, just to get back to sleep. So. I, I remember I first moved to Manhattan, you know, 25, 30
1: years ago. I don't know. It was a long time ago. And I would hear this, this whirring, whistling woo sound mm-hmm. uh, with some frequency. And we were on a, you know, a very high floor. I'm like, what the heck is that? I you know mm-hmm. it was just a bus, you know, but there was a certain route of one bus that got some speed or something and it whistled and it mm-hmm. was sort of with some frequency. And I'm like, it was, uh, it was ethereal. It was unearthly. It was very scary.
2: <laughs> I yeah. That. Yeah. So yeah, those, those, those sounds. It yeah. It's about- almost, yeah. It becomes almost a psychedelic thing mm. where you're like, I mean, it's literally like I'm, 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 I'm tripping this, this thing, you know, it's just like, uh, but yeah, that's, um, but that song is, is, it's a fun song. It's fun to play and it's kind of fun to listen to. I tried to make it aggressive, but still lighthearted, you know? Yeah. Um, You know, you spend time when you're younger trying to be really intense and brooding and like, as you get older you just realize like it's silly not to try to have as a good time with whatever you're doing even if it's uh dramatic or in- intense or you can still have uh, some humor or lightheartedness or or grace in it so I I you know I'm always trying to do that with with my music or uh, you know just make it make it fun and human even if it's about some gnarly stuff you know yeah. No,
1: you did. It, it has such atmosphere. And uh, I really loved it. You know, I wrote down a weird reference Etienne uh, mm-hmm. but I'm going to say it anyways, because I was very, at a young age, I'm a little bit older than you. So at a very young age, I fell in love with a flock of seagulls. Oh yeah. And, and they yeah. had a song from, I think their first record called don't ask me. Kay. And the line that came to me as I was listening to impending machines is I sit here all alone and watch the saucers in the sky. Where has the feeling gone? Don't ask me why. Don't ask me why. It's called "Don't Ask Me," and I, it, I just started typing those words when I was listening to your music because it, the the title and the the atmospherics uh, brought me right to that to that track somehow. I don't know why.
2: flock of seagulls i really? find there's there yeah their stuff has aged uh really well <laughs> like i i listened to it and i'm like man this stuff is just i wouldn't change a lick of any of this it's like perfect you know it's like yeah. recorded well it's like kind of gritty but it's still got all that new wave texture and like uh i don't know yeah
1: no i there's I, another one have, there's another one at the called man-made and it's basically the Terminator movie um, yes. in a song. Man-made machines and then ma- machines took over kind of thing. It's mm. ultra hard. It's guitars you have to turn up in your headphones kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It's more instrumental. It starts out incredibly slow. You hear the machines coming your way. A lot of their stuff was sort of spacey and you know futuristic and stuff, of course. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. Guess what? They have a brand new record. Uh, that they just came out with this Really? Um, oh cool. Yeah, just this summer and they did two records. This is going to be you. In 20 years you're going to redo this record with the Prague Philharmonic, right? It's going to be an orchestral version. <laughs> All right. Of, I'm of, there. Of faltering yeah. light, faltering light the symphonic version, you know. And yeah. and they did that. They've done two of them and they're amazing. They're amazing. made As you can tell, we're not going to get through much of Etienne's fantastic record, faltering Light. So we will continue this conversation next week. And I think the week after Etienne has a lot of music that he has put together in a playlist that we're going to get through. I'll probably add a couple along the way, just as part of our conversation. It's so fun to get to know Etienne de Rocher and Haunted Shed. Let's finish off with this Flock of Seagulls track and I'll see you next week. has been a PJ DJ production.